Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. How are you? Isn't it great to be cold today? Phil, I have one question for you, though. Um, and I, I grew up, um, the word hokey was different from the word hooky. So you said it might not, was hooky. Yeah, what is that? All right, all right. It's just, <laughs> I don't know. I, I appreciate you, man. But that, you know, yeah. See, hokey was stupid. Hooky was skipping school. So I don't know which one you were talking about. But hokey? All right, good, good. Thank you. Appreciate Phil. Great job writing that song. Appreciate Shalom. And, uh, and Hugo, and thank you for your leadership today. Man, we are, um, I mean, come on, honestly, you like the cold today, don't you really? Don't you just, I mean, I know you got your coats on, and some people got their scarves on. It feels good, doesn't it? You're enjoying it. We're liking it. It's going to be over tomorrow probably, right? Let's enjoy it. Let's pretend like we're going to go sledding. We're not. Uh, if it's going to be 60 this afternoon, it's going to be fine. It's great to be in the house of the Lord with you all. As we continue through the book of Acts, and here in this church, we go through major sections of Scripture, and today we're in Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 12, you can get your device out, you can turn it on, you can open an actual Bible with pages, you can unroll the scroll, whatever you got, that would be great. So we're going to look at God's Word today from Acts chapter 5. title of the message today is Providence and Power. Providence and power. Some people think those words are the same, right? It's providence. It seems like I've got power. I've got the ability to do something. And, uh, it's, but they're not really because power is just the ability to do something. Providence is the decision to actually do it, right? I mean, a nation could have the power to invade another nation, but it may not choose to do that. Hopefully, Russia will not invade Ukraine. Tom Brady has the power to retire, but he might not. I'm rooting for him not. I'm thinking he's going to be playing when he's my age, right? Um, there's, there's the power to do it, but then there's the providence. Am I actually going to do that? I have the power. It's within my ability to eat a Chipotle every day. But in my providence, which is my purpose, I'm going to not eat there every day, right? There's a difference between power and and providence, and what you actually choose to do usually revolves around or aligns with your purpose. Now, if you lead a team at work, that team has a purpose. And if you're the leader, you're responsible for elevating people and for demoting people, right? To get the team to work to achieve its purpose. See, providence should be driven by purpose. And that's the way power comes into line with that and makes things happen to achieve the purpose of the organization or the individual. Well, today we're going to look at God's power and providence in Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. There are three pictures of the power of God post-Jesus' resurrection and ascension and how he functions in the church. I think it's going to be really informative for us as we think about what God is doing in our church and in our world today. Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. 
and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that, even, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. This is an incredible show of God's power. People are gathering, and he's adding believers to this church, to this new band of people called the church, adding believers constantly, and multitudes more than ever are coming to join. And we've already heard about thousands in the past weeks as we looked at Acts. So there's literally thousands and thousands of people who are responding to the apostles as they're out there outside of the temple, and they're teaching this message of Jesus Christ, this message of repentance, this message of of following Jesus and following the way of Jesus. That's what this is all about. And the people are responding. It's, it's incredible. Men and women are responding. And even so much so, the power of God is so rich and so thick that people are even laying in the street so that maybe the shadow of Peter would pass over them and they would be healed. I mean... This is really more powerful than we even see in the ministry of Jesus, right? I mean, remember when the woman said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if, if, I, can just, if I can just reach out, if I, can, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And, and she was. Here we're seeing where people are saying, if I can just, if Peter's shadow can just pass over me. And I love it. It says that, that all were healed. Now, if you remember the, mess, the ministry of Jesus, oftentimes he would depart before everyone was healed. And so what we really see here is a greater move of God even in the time of Jesus. And you say, well, wait a minute, no one's greater than Jesus. No, but remember Jesus said, it's really good for you that I go away because I'm going to send another comforter. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit, and it's, it's going to be even better than it was with me. And that's really kind of what we're seeing here. It's an amazing show of God's power poured into his church through the Holy Spirit. But it's the only time this happens. It's really the only time we see this kind of thing happening. Certainly people are healed, and certainly people are still healed today. But a moment like this, where people are responding by the thousands, and people are laying in the streets, and the shadow of Peter passing away, people are being healed, it's the only time this happens. I don't know of anybody doing this today legitimately, do you? I don't even know of anybody faking this today, quite honestly. You never see it when you see heal people. Never, there's not just a shadow and everybody gets healed. That doesn't happen, right? You got to touch them. You got to hit them. You got to knock them over something, right? And I do believe God still heals. So that's why we pray for people. But this is a show of power. Incredible power. And so we have to kind of evaluate why. Why does God do this in Acts? And we don't see this even throughout the New Testament. This isn't the normal pattern. See, what God is doing is He's showing 
The power of Jesus is active in the church through the Holy Spirit. It's the same power with the same ability to do what Jesus did. See, it's not that God healed people so that they would stay healed forever in this case, right? Because we know that all those people that were healed that day are dead, right? So it wasn't that he was going to hang around and we're just going to keep healing people and over and over again. You know, you, you get healed from COVID today and we're going to get, heal you from COVID three weeks later when you get it again, right? We're going to heal you from cancer today. We're going to heal you from heart disease. No, it's not it at all. The point is what God is able to do. And Jesus' healing ministry was to show people that he was God. And when God performs this incredible healing event through his church, he's showing the world the power of Jesus is the same power that's active in the church today. You need to think about that. God's power is still active in the church today to achieve God's purpose. God's power is still active in the church today to achieve God's purpose. And that's what we have to be careful here. We're going to talk about how God, why God doesn't do things we'd want Him to do and sure wish He'd, he'd heal this person and sure wish He'd straighten out that person. I just pointed at one of my deacons, but I'm not going to call him out, Gary. But uh, you couldn't be any more straightened out than you already are, amen? He's not even going to say, yeah. Shelly, you want to speak to that? Um, carry on, all right. Let me just stop. I got to make an announcement. I just, sorry, I remembered. Next week, we will have the opportunity to nominate deacons. And so, will there be a form in the back? We'll talk about how to do that. Our deacons are our key leaders, top, really, spiritual men in our church. And really, they're the most fun as well. But um, I, I'm so grateful for our leadership that we have in our church. And um, I lean on them. They provide great spiritual leadership and great encouragement to your pastor and your staff. And uh, I'm grateful for them. And there are Virgil Walsworth. John, Russell, Gary Templeton, Michael Walters, and Richard Holt. So we'll be doing that next week. So that's just a little sideline. We'll come back to what I was saying. Um, it's so important for us to see that God is going to do what he wants to do through his church. And his mark of his, his presence is the fact that he healed through his church in this way in Acts. Remember, Acts sets the table for the rest of church history. It isn't necessarily normative for all church history. It sets the table for church history. So, God heals in an amazing way. Not only that, but God does something else just to prove that you can't stop the gospel. Acts chapter, 17, chapter 5, verse 17 says this, But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and they put him in public prison. So here's what they did. They said, listen, you guys are having too much effect. The people are following you. Multitudes, thousands are responding to you. We don't like it. We're going to have you arrested. Because I'm, we're worried that the people are not going to follow us. And so out of jealousy, Luke notes, out of jealousy, they have them arrested. And they put him in the public prison. Important, they didn't just put him in a house somewhere. They put him in the public prison prison so that it was kind of a way to dishonor them verse 15 verse verse 19 but during the night an angel of the lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life so this angel comes and actually gets them out it's incredible and he gives them the instruction go speak about this life of following jesus that you've been speaking about 
Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of life. Verse 21. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and they began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. So the council meets. They gather. These are all really the religious and political leaders of Israel. They all gather together and they're saying, hey, bring the prisoners in. But when the officers came, they didn't find them. So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when they opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the guard and the chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed, perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison and standing in the temple are standing in the temple and teaching the people. <coughs> Excuse me. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. Understand this picture. I mean, it's amazing. They arrest them. They put them in prison. Middle of the night, an angel sets them free. And not only that, but no one knows that they set them free. The guards are standing there thinking they're still inside and they're gone. The doors are locked. And not only that, but they didn't just go home and hide or run off to the hills. They are in the temple speaking and teaching just as they were when they were arrested. See, God's power is so strong in His church, He will never let His message be in a prison. He will never let it be stopped. There's no prison that can hold it. There's no barrier that can keep it from moving forward. God will absolutely remove any barrier that keeps His, his message from moving forward. That's powerful. But notice, again, God is not saying that I will always free you from prison because he left the Apostle Paul in prison for a long time to write the prison epistles, basically a large part of the New Testament. You may say, well, Steve, you know, I like to get out of prison right now. I feel like I'm trapped. I feel like I can't get out of this stage of my life. I'm stuck. Let me ask you, does God want to free you or does God want you to write the New Testament? Now, you're not really going to write the New Testament, but maybe God has something very meaningful and very important and very powerful for you to do in the midst of the prison that you're in. See, that's how God works. He has the power, though, just because he doesn't choose to open the prison gates, it doesn't mean that he can't. And that's why he's proving this right here. I can open any prison, and I can even do it in such a way that those who thought they had you imprisoned don't even know you're out. See, the world often thinks that we've stopped the message of Jesus or I've stopped that from happening, and actually the message goes on. And I love how the religious leaders are sitting there expecting the prisoners to be led in, but they're actually already out there on the steps of the temple already teaching. See, God's power is that great. Even when the world thinks it has stopped the message of Jesus, it goes on. And on nothing can stop the message of Jesus. So they went and got him. They rearrested them. It goes differently this time. They brought him in before the council, verse 27, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. So that's the question. Hey, we, we told you not to teach him where you're still teaching. I don't know whether Luke doesn't record it, but my first question would be a little different. 
I'd be like, how'd you guys get out? Right? What exactly happened? Did you pay somebody off? Is there a conspiracy? Are you in with the guards? What happened? That's not what they're interested in. They're interested in what this message is going to cost them. We told you not to speak in this name. And Peter had already told him what he's about to tell him again. Verse 29, Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. It's a profound statement, especially to men who supposedly represent God. And in that statement, they're really saying, you don't represent God. It's, it's an offensive thing, really. We have to listen to God rather than man. Let me ask you that question. Have you ever been faced with that? Will you listen to God rather than men? Rather than human culture? Will you listen to God? He says, we have to listen and obey God rather than men. Verse 30, the God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Here's what he's saying. You killed him, but God has made him king. That's a scary thought. You killed him, but God has made him king. Remember, so did we, though, right? My sin put Jesus on the cross, but the cross of Jesus pays for my sin. But you have to understand that it is my sin that he died for. And so they're very, very offended at this. He says that Jesus is at the right hand and he gave, I love this, he gave repentance and forgiveness for sins. You see, that's only good news if you're a sinner. And the Jewish leaders at the time didn't see themselves as sinners. See, Jesus, his whole message is about all you really, your, your whole life should be a repentant life that says, I need to be forgiven of my sin. I need you to fill me with your spirit. I, I need your innocence that you paid for on the cross for me. But it's offensive to those who don't think they need to repent. Verse 33, and when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? Starting to sound like the trial of Jesus, isn't it? He claims to be the king. He claims to be the Messiah. They're, they're, bringing, they're bringing offense onto the leaders of, of Israel. They're, they're blaming them for killing Jesus. And they want to kill them. And you think it's about to happen. But then God exerts his power a third time and in a third way. Verse 34. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And yes, John, you're right. That is the one who trained Paul. Gamaliel had a school and he was a well-known teacher. And the apostle Paul at that time called Saul was a student of Gamaliel. And he was a really well-known and respected leader. And in the midst of this murderous mob, he stands up and he goes, wait a minute. 
Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him, and he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you to keep away from these men and let them alone, for if this plan of this undertaking is of man, it will fail. Understand his line of reasoning. Other people have tried to raise up and, and bring a sect of people and separate people out, and it's come to nothing. This is a sovereignty of God argument, right? God's not going to stop, not going to allow that to happen. Verse 39. But if it is of God, hmm. but if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. When they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. It's incredible, right? This is a murderous mob. And one man stands up and turns the tide. My question is, Gamaliel, where were you when Jesus was on trial? Right? Where were you? And you start to wonder, maybe Gamaliel was starting to wonder if these people could actually be an instrument of God, and that's kind of what he's intimating. He says, you know what? I, I've seen some crazy stuff. I've seen a man get crucified, and then we couldn't find him after he was buried. I've heard stories of this same man appearing to hundreds of people, and I've also heard stories that he ascended into heaven. And now I see these people apparently being able to heal in the same way as Jesus, and I see them apparently miraculously, mysteriously walking out of prison. You wonder if Gamaliel's starting to wonder if this thing's for real. At any rate, God activated Gamaliel to stop the slaughter that was about to happen. See, that's the power of God. He can turn an angry mob away just with one person who wasn't necessarily in favor of Peter, but used a reasoned approach to stop the mob from killing all the apostles. Why? Because this is best for his purpose. See, God has the power to change the mind of the people in control or in government or in religious areas. He has the power to do that. He has the power to raise someone up to stop what's happening. God is a powerful God, and often he exerts his power, but he exerts his power according to his providence to achieve his purpose. That's how he functions. Now, what you're thinking, you say, but wait a minute, Steve. God's so powerful, why didn't he just wipe them out, right? Why doesn't he just wipe out his opponents? Man, I'm so glad he's not a God like that, because that would have included me at one time, right? See, God is acting so people have the opportunity to come to him. See, you may ask the question, well, why did God allow them to be arrested in the first place? And in the second place? 
Why did he allow that? And, and why did he allow them to be beaten? Which incidentally would have been with probably a three-strand calf-hide whip that would have torn the flesh off of them and could have resulted in them bleeding to death. So it wasn't just like a tap on the head. It wasn't just a, you know, a couple of punches. This was a brutal thing that was not all that different from what they did to Jesus. You see, God allows difficulty. He allows dishonor. He even allows pain to bring about his purpose so that people can know who he is, so people can see the love of his people for him, that they would even die for him, that they would even willingly suffer for him. In fact, I love the last verse of this section. Verse 41, it says this, that when they left the presence of the council, and this word I just can't get over, Rejoicing. 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 Excited. Happy. Celebrating. Why? They were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Jesus, that Christ is Jesus. Don't you love that? They're saying... We're, we're excited that they dishonored us. We can't believe that we would represent Jesus in such a way that they would treat us very much like Jesus. I don't see that in our culture today. Sadly, honestly, brothers and sisters, often when people make fun of us for a biblical position we take, we get offended. We should be rejoicing. We should be rejoicing to be dishonored as Jesus was. If we're being truthful and representing Jesus well, people are going to say, you're unfair, you're intolerant, you're rude, you don't care. Listen, I just want, to, I just want you to know I love Jesus and I want you to love him too. But if you want to dishonor me, I need to say, man, God, I'm honored that you would allow me to be dishonored for you. We need to rejoice in that reality. Because that's what the apostles are doing here. Because they understand that they're being treated like Jesus. Well, there's two things I want us to see from this passage. Two things. First, there is absolutely all the power necessary for us to carry out God's assignment. God has provided all the power that we need in the church through the Holy Spirit, to carry out his assignment. Sometimes people will say, you know what, Steve, I don't know if I can follow Jesus because I just don't know if I can be that good. I just don't know if I can't. Listen, there's all the power you need to carry out the assignment Jesus gives you. It's available. It's absolutely available. See, God wants to work in his people through his church. So people say, you know what, I just don't know if I can carry out that assignment at my, at my job. I, I know that I need to represent him well, but I'm afraid to let people know I go to church because then I'll be asked all kinds of questions and maybe I'll get dishonored and maybe I'll lose my... T Listen, I just want you to know all the power to represent Jesus well is available. It's available. It's available to provide spiritual healing. It's available to break out of any jail. It's available to turn the mind of someone who may be blocking you right now. 
All that is available. You say, Steve, well, how? Well, if you look at the two groups in this story that are reacting to the power of God, one are the people that are bringing all the sick people and the people who are coming, they're responding, they're believing in Jesus. What's happening to them? They're seeing the power of God and they're receiving the power of God. So let me ask you, do you come to Jesus needy? I need to receive your power. I need it. It really should be a part of our everyday walk as we pray before God. I don't have the power to go be good. I'm not good. You're good. I want your spirit to work through me. All the power you need to carry out your role as a mother, as a businessman, as a father, as a friend, as someone trying to disciple people, as someone trying to spread the, all the power is available in Jesus Christ. So I'm afraid that we get all wound up and afraid that we're not going to be able to do this or not able to do that. Because we're trying to do it by ourselves. See, Jesus is Emmanuel. He's God with us. Not God that sends us off on a project by ourselves, but a God that goes with us to achieve what he wants to achieve. So first of all, know this. There's plenty of power available to achieve what God has called you to do. And second, God uses his power only to achieve his purpose, not to please us. Because we'll often say, God, I, just, I know you could heal. You have the power to heal. And he absolutely does have the power to heal anybody in here of any disease, anybody that you know, but he doesn't always choose to because it's not always best for his purpose. None of us are going to live forever. All of us have a certain amount of time to represent Jesus and allow his power flow through us. You know, there was a car accident the other night killed six people right here in Delray. Six people were hit by a driver who was speeding. The driver's fine. We wrestle with that. How do we handle that? How do we process that reality that six innocent people died? And the one who caused it is fine. We, we can't process that. Just understand this. There are things we're never going to understand completely. God is able, but if he chooses not to, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, as they were going into the flaming fire in Daniel, the book of Daniel, when they said, God is able to save it, but if he doesn't, praise be to God. No matter what happens, God is still God. He's still in control. There are things that are going to happen that we're not going to understand. But just know that God always uses his power to achieve his and we need to trust him with that and understand that God is at work and I need to be faithful to join him in his work and to care for those who are suffering as well. So where are you today? Are you like a Pharisee who would say, I'm good and not receiving his power? Or are you like those who were coming to receive his power as they saw it being uh, displayed? That's really the question. Our goodness and our ability to be good is often what separates us from God. It's only in our brokenness when we come to him and say, I need you, Lord. I need you. You are faithful to provide whatever I need to get through whatever I'm going through 
to be in prison or out of prison, to be in prison or broken out of prison, to be healthy or to be healed. It's all for you, Lord, and I rejoice when I am found worthy to suffer. Would you pray with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.